Hi, this is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I serve as the interim site pastor at Urban Village Church, Edgewater. Urban Village Church does bold, inclusive, and relevant ministry for people who were traumatized by church, people who feel overchurched, and even the non-churched folks. If you identify with any of these signifiers, we're so glad you're listening. Would you consider helping us continue this Jesus-loving ministry in and across Chicago and over the internet? You can make a generous recurring gift by going to our website, urbanvillagechurch.org backslash give. And thanks for helping us with your ears, actions, and dollars to build up God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And now, here's the latest sermon. Good morning, UVC. Um, I will be reading scripture today, so please read along with me. And I will be reading uh, the book of, from the book of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 43. Okay. So, now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it good for us? Uh, He said, Master, is it good for us to be here? Let uh, uh, Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elisha, not knowing What he said while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent in those days and told no one anything they had seen. On the next day, they came, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, teacher, I beg you to look at my son. He is, uh, to, he is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until, foam at, until he foams at the mouth. It mulls him and will scarcely leave him. I beg your, your disciples to cast out, but They could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. All were astonished at the greatness of God. Word of God for the people of God. Amen. Good morning. My name is Erin James Brown. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. 
I serve as the interim site pastor here at Urban Village Church Edgewater, and I am so delighted to see you this morning. Will you pray with me? God of glory and God of grace, you have not left us alone, but you have come to be with us. And so, God, we ask for your continued guidance, your continued courage to seek change, to push for change when you, God, are calling us. Encourage God to rest when you have called us to rest. And so, God, we give our hearts and our minds and our lips to you because we are your people and you are our God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So if this is your first time at Urban Village Church Edgewater, uh, welcome. Uh, we have four sites throughout the city of Chicago, and one of the nice things about being a church in four different locations is we get a little competitive and a little trolly of each other. Uh, my spouse attends our Hyde Park Woodlawn site, and he just said that the pastor, Emily McGinley, who is also my colleague and dear friend, is wearing the exact same outfit I am. And so we're just going to do a little who wore it best real quick. I'm going to take a selfie, and you're going to be in the background. You ready? Say, UVC, woo! Oh, perfect. That's just for me. God doesn't get any of that glory, just Aaron James Brown. Now back to Luke. The crowds are pushing and swelling, and it is a hot, smelly, sticky day as this desperate father makes his way just to the feet of Jesus. Over the large cacophony of sounds, he cries and shouts, Jesus, over here, Jesus. And how the heck is he gonna be heard over all the others? Also who are trying to be shouting, to be heard and to be healed. And so he just yells this stream of consciousness, stringing sentences together, hoping with persistence he will draw attention to his plight. It's actually a really strange interaction when you read the Bible. The man seeking healing for his son just speaks in these long winded sentences and he lays out a description of his son's medical history, explaining in great detail the severity and the violence of his illness. There is shrieking, convulsion, and foaming from the mouth. There's violence. My son who would never hurt a fly suddenly turns on himself and beats his head and chest so much that I can't restrain him, he says. And this, we know, is not the first time he's had to describe these symptoms and complications. He has practiced at this description. And Jesus, somehow with his godlike hearing aids, turns on, swivels his head around, hearing the man over the cries, utters, let's be honest, a super unhelpful phrase. And directed, as God knows about perverted, directed a super unhelpful phrase about God knows who, saying this perverted, busted up, faithless people from generations and who the heaven and who the hell knows who he's referring to. Does he snap at the disciples who failed the first attempt to heal or the crowd who keeps pressing in or the dad who is seeking healing for his son? And to be perfectly honest, scholars have no idea whom Jesus directs his derision at. But after Jesus explodes with this dazzling light, slaying his glory to the God, getting reassurance from his squad of law leaders and prophets at the mountaintop, Jesus goes back to working and twerking miracles and dragging and digging out demons. 
the glory of God has shown. And now he goes back to show the glory of God to the world and says this really unhelpful phrase. And he says it to the father who is unaware of what Peter and John and James just witnessed. The father can only see the fog rolling out, not knowing the life-giving presence that was just witnessed at the top. It's been a hard week. You heard Cece refer to it. This week has felt a little perverted and busted up and faithless in some ways. I've felt the burden of shock and fear and grief, and I've heard from several of you. I've seen your post. I wrote my own responses. I read articles from major news outlets covering the events. If you aren't up on the up and up, this past week, representatives of the Global United Methodist Church met in St. Louis, Missouri, for a deciding vote, which they call General Conference. And United Methodist Church is this worldwide group of Christian churches, and Urban Village Church has its foundation in the United Methodist Church. We proudly proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior and John Wesley as a really hot dude who taught us how to read the Bible. But whether you are like me and grew up in a different denomination, or you were born on the front pew of a United Methodist Church, or if you are new to church and the idea of denomination bodies sounds like a sick joke to you, no matter who you are, we, you and me, just by being here this morning, are by virtue proclaiming Jesus having transformed power in our lives and are somehow connected and tied up with the United Methodist Church in some way and also tied up in its outcome. And while, let's note, the United Methodist Church is quite progressive in lots of different ways around women clergy, justice in ministry, and reading the Bible theologically, on human sexuality, the global church throughout the world is pretty conservative. To be fact, uh, the language the larger denomination uses says, no self-avowed practicing homosexual will serve as clergy, and clergy are not allowed to perform same-gender weddings. And as you've probably noticed, given our communion table this morning, Urban Village chooses to actively protest against and dissent from the larger denominational church. It is an active, daily, persistent choice of hiring LGBTQ persons to serve on staff as pastors, worship leaders, children's ministers, church planting residents and interns. It is a regular, deliberate choice that all of our pastors make to perform same-gender weddings and loving unions with great joy. So on Tuesday, the larger church, the delegates in St. Louis, voted 53% in favor of forcing all churches to comply with anti-LGBTQ plus practices or to split and go and do something else. And so the future is uncertain. This creates a quandary for United Methodist pastors with their pensions tied up in the bureaucracies of the church. It creates financial stresses for churches with standing buildings that have to purchase their property from the denomination. It creates an existential wrestling for some of us who were baptized and affirmed into ministry by churches who might no longer recognize those people with hearts following Jesus in heart, mind, and spirit. But regardless, of what happens, regardless of what has happened. Pastor Christian Kuhn shared a video message that I'm gonna post to our Facebook uh, later on. We are a church in multiple spaces. Pastor Christian Kuhn is one of our founding pastors and he also serves at our South Loop site. In his video message, he says, harm has been done. 
so many have already been hurt. They've been burned, pushed out, victimized, traumatized by decisions of the past. And this week's decision to get in line or get out, it sucks. And that's a theological statement. And know this, know this beloved church of God, that despite any wicked decisions that stand on the wrong side of God's long history of love and mercy and freedom and justice, Urban Village Church at all four sites and any sites in the future will continue our long commitment to hire, train, baptize, commit to one another in membership, celebrate, make a big FD, that means big frickin' deal, celebrating LGBTQ persons, because we firmly believe God is proud of all of those whom God has created, especially the queer. And so we'll continue to perform weddings, unions, celebrate babies of same gender loving families. We will party when loving couples who are gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, intersex, and yes, even straight couples will party when they get engaged. Because we know, yeah, the straight people need some help too. <laughs> because we know that our parties are just a preamble to the celebration when God gets everything God wants and we will get down with our bad selves in God's kingdom. So while the future of the United Methodist Church is a little bit uncertain and it's still a little foggy to see through the clear, if and when and how a new thing is possible, possibly a new denomination committed to the values of inclusion, grace, Wesleyan principles of salvation and biblical interpretation, something will be birthed out of this mess. Yes. Despite the opaque future, we will continue to follow this dazzling Jesus who has shown us inclus inclusion to get your ash over here realness. Truth already God has shown us. Jesus has shown us LGBTQ folks serve, lead, love, and demonstrate the power of the presence of God in us. We, they do that by greeting us outside, rushing to get communion when I forget that there's no juice, to bring the bread every Sunday morning, to celebrate our children's ministers when they are leaving. You, my queer siblings, bring us closer to the mountaintop. You reveal to us the power of God's work in the world. Therefore, beloved church, I am not afraid. My lack of fear doesn't mean that I don't grieve because I sure as heaven know, cry and stamp my feet and shake my fist and I hold my beloveds tightly, demanding for healing of the church universal. All those proclaiming Jesus' name who do not act in love the way I believe Jesus calls us to act and love. And I also stammer before the feet of Jesus, kind of stream of consciousness crying, heal us for we keep harming each other and ourselves. But my church, my beloveds, I am not afraid of the future. The long history of God, which if you've ever heard of God, God has geological time, not my time. The large history of God teaches us time and time again that you know what? God's got this. 
God led the people through Exodus. God will consult in times of doubt and remind us of a way forward. God will provide freedom for the oppressed, break the chains of the enslaved, open the eyes of, blind, of the blind and throw caution to the wind for the sake of God's people experiencing God's glory because God's got this. When the people fled through the middle of the night under Pharaoh's terrifying enslavement, God gave them the cover of darkness and the spirit that led them into freedom. And when Pharaoh chased them, hoping to re-enslave the people, re-traumatize the people, God pushed back the waters, opening up a way out of no way and allowed a safe passage to freedom and swallowed up the faithless and the perverse because God's got this. God's got this. When Elijah said, AKA, Elijah was known as the troublemaker. That will be my new nickname. Took... When Elijah took up to the king, despite the fear of being put to death by his defiance, called the people back to worship to God, not to be distracted by false gods or false sayings or false promises, not to be disturbed by anxious threats of violence or dissent from worship to false gods, but to continually worship the God who regularly welcomes the stranger, cares for the hurting and celebrates those other troublemakers of God for the sake of God's glory, because God's got this. God's got this. God had this when Hitler's army marched into churches to replace the Bible with Mein Kampf, changed the names of the church to the Reich Church and forced the people not to follow God's laws, but the commands of the Fuhrer. But God's, uh, our God is not stopped by threats to take God's glory away from God. Our God reminds us, much like Jesus reminds Peter, John, and James, that God's glory continues to shine brightly despite all evidence to the contrary. God continues to overthrow powers, oppressive powers. God continues to exercise demons of our culture, of our churches, and of our hearts in order to bring us more closely to following God. When you come closely to following God, church, you will experience a little bit of troublemaking. You will be changed, our community will be changed, things other people think is wrong and blasphemous and downright crazy, you will be called to do. But the presence of God and the presence of community makes us bolder followers, proclaiming with our lives, there is difference when we choose to follow the God of love and liberation. Our worlds, our families, our institutions, and our lives get turned upside down when we, cl when we come close and proclaim God is proud of the queer and God has freaking got this. This is the presence that God and the power that God gives us, the courage to cast out the demons of oppression and violence and discrimination. We worship the God of welcome and God has got this. We serve alongside beloved queer folks who, who will help us see a dazzling God more clearly and way more fabulously because God's got this. The disciples, maybe they couldn't cast out the demon, not because of a lack of their faith, but because, they, uh, or because they were bad companions. They had trouble casting out that darn demon because there, it was persistent little bugger. And it represented the hatred and social isolation and the degradation of others of the day. And some days, demons seem like they win. But we follow a God who's got this. 
We fashion our lives after a God who's got this, a Jesus who rolls up his sleeves and says, come on, y'all, we got this. At Urban Village Church, we are not afraid to start anything new. It's in our DNA. You already said it this morning. It's a part of our mission statement. We create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities. We build structures and celebrate new creations of God. And we know that when the floodwaters recede, our, joy, our God of joy brings out a rainbow and says, oh, y'all, I got this. So when it feels like hatred is one, we remind each other, it's okay. When it feels like our efforts have failed, we can look each other in the eye and say, it's not over. We can text each other late in the night when we are stressed and worried and say, don't worry, God's got you. It's not a platitude we toss around when life is tough. It is a command, a reminder, a breath of new life into one another's lives. It reminds us of God's glory and presence in our beloved company. And so we remember, it's not up to us. God's got this. Will you pray with me? God, you resurrect our spirits to trust that you, oh glorious God, are working with us to bend and press and pressure that arc of the moral universe towards justice because we know that you, God, have got this. And so we affirm the humanity of those created as your beautiful children. We know, God, that you call LGBTQ people in ministry, in relationship, and joy. God, we celebrate that we are served by, serve alongside, led, and committed to the celebration of our siblings in Christ. Thank you, God for your eternal promise to continue guiding us toward love, no matter what our powers and systems and people decide. Because world, this is not beyond your control. And so we pray in the name of our brother and friend, Jesus. Amen.